You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It is 8.04 a.m. And it has come time for our next quiz question. Please, Lawson, take it away. Mm. Here we go. Next question for the quiz. What did Paul say in Romans 16 would soon be crushed under their feet? Hint, the promise was first given to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. Again, what did Paul say in Romans 16 would soon be crushed under their feet. Again, this promise was first given to Adam and Eve. And we have been covering that. So, so text your answer on 0491-064-669, and you'll go into the draw for the gratitude jar. It's a porcelain mm. jar. It's white. It's beautiful. It's got this wooden, lovely wooden uh, top lid. And it's gold, got gold writing on the front of mm. the whole jar, and it has got gratitude quotes in there to keep you focused on being grateful. Yeah, now, absolutely. I you know I've got a friend who, um, oh, I've got lots of friends, oh, <laughs> not just one congratulations. friend. Congratulations. <laughs> Amazing. I know you're always talking about loads about your friends, but, yeah. you know, um, I've got several friends who really talk a lot about gratefulness and one particularly mm. who literally every day on Facebook um puts a whole pile of things that she is grateful for. Mm. And I love it, you know, just to see the beauty beauty of that. Um, I know this morning when I was driving here, I know I bring it up every now and then, but, you know, over the lake, because I turned the corner of my street and I see the lake, you know, mm. and the green grass through there. Again, this morning, there was just piles of, you know, just a lot of fog above the above the lake and this amazing majestic huge sun shining through and every time i see that uh when i turn that corner my mind straight away goes to god and his majesty and his awesomeness and his beauty Mm. and his brightness and you know and jesus being the light of the world in every way so it's just just fabulous in every way so that's i mean there's so many things we can be actually grateful for um you know when when we actually really stop to 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 look at that in every way. So again, here we've actually got you know it says here give thank here's one it says give thanks to the Lord for He is good His love endures forever. Mm. Don't you love that? Yeah, classic verse as well. But yeah, you reach into this this the the jar. And you can pull these things out. And I think you can put more stuff in there as well. Oh, look, absolutely. You can put some of your own as well. We made a jar like that with the kids out west, with the little Aboriginal kids in our church plant. And we got them to decorate their jar and everything. And they had all of their promises and, you know, grateful things on different coloured papers. And they had Mm. fun rolling them up in every way. Hey, we've had a couple of more texts come through here. These are really interesting. This one says, uh, Morning, Danuta and Lawson. I tend to agree with the pastor when the Republicans win next year, the religious right will rise up and we'll see the image to the beast set up soon after the mark. Uh, blessings and that and this from Tony. Yeah. This one here is another one that says, I'm sorry, but the Battle of Armageddon, Mount Megiddo, is in Israel. It is actually the US that is no longer mentioned in the book of Revelation. I respect the pastor's view, but don't agree and can't believe and uh, you agreed with him. Thanks. And uh, so that that's really interesting because this is exactly, you know, the the things that um that that Pastor Justin was saying that so mm-hmm. many feel that it is about Israel. And, you know, everyone's entitled to, to their opinion. So we value what you have actually sent through. And it is really, um, important, uh, that we, all of us just 
keep digging into God's word. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things with revelation that is really key is the fact that so many things are mentioned but not mentioned in the kind of um, exact literal wording that we would expect to hear. Isn't that the case, Lawson? And so, so because... Revelation Mm -hmm. is a prophetic book, just like the book of Daniel. And here's the key thing. You know, when Pastor Justin also said, and this is maybe something we can refer to question and answer time, I think, as well, Mm -hmm. further, for um, Lyle to be covering later this week. When is it? Cheryl, is it Wednesday or Thursday? Thursday at at 5 o'clock. Thursday at 5 o'clock. We can can put that in for question of the day for our listener, for sure. And we can also send him any information that he would like. So, yeah, listener, if you would like to give us an email address. Yep. We can um, send you some links to some more information for a a Bible study on it that we'd love to um, share with you if you would like to hear that. Mm, Absolutely. Mm. And so the book of Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand. And so the time prophecy in Daniel is really significant when we actually read about that in Daniel chapter 9. And, of course, you know, Revelation 13 refers to the beast and then there's um, the lamb that spoke like a dragon. That that is where we um, believe that um, it refers to prophecy of Mm -hmm. the USA. So... Um, yeah, and, and it's an interesting one. And so we'll refer that one to the question of the day mm-hmm. because there is so much to actually unpack in that space. So we appreciate. Yeah. And I, I think I just want to invite, advise as well, um, to the, to the person who's sending about Megiddo is, uh, do some, do some research actually, some, some biblical research and, and, <laughs> and try and look up in terms of associations and as to, as to why it is, this is really this is a really keen important question. Why it is that for some reason Christians believe that the Battle of Armageddon unfolds on Megiddo? Yes, because I think if you go and research it and actually yes. open crack open the Bible and go through and read it, you uh, read about it's like and ask the question. Okay, like which of these passages seem to incite the idea or the belief that? It, you know, the Battle of Armageddon had, has here, happens here in, in Megiddo, whatever it may be. I, I really think you'll come to a conclusion when reading the plain verses of Scripture that that is not the case. And I see that belief, like the Battle of Armageddon happening in Megiddo and whatnot, as something that has perpetuated in Christian culture rather than something that is founded purely on what the Bible says. And, and because in yep. reality, there just isn't these passages that people claim are in the Bible that says, oh, yes, the Bible, the Battle of Armageddon absolutely happens on Megiddo, at, where the Bible is making it unequivocally clear that this kind of thing happens. You know, over the last week, I, I've been doing a, a similar research into the rapture because, you know, when we talk yes. about the Battle of Armageddon, the rapture, the end times, you know, all of these various, you know, topics that are very much linked together in the millennium. And, and it's been something for me that I've been delving into, mm. I've been studying into Love because it. I want to know, right? Absolutely. And so I said to myself, uh, you know, I want to look at the various positions that people hold regarding this topic, and I want to look at the verses, the Bible verses that you, they use to justify their position, so and and trying to look at it from their perspective, so that I can have a full sense of their position, and then come to a correct a correct conclusion as to which one is true. Because at the same time, I could hold my own position, and I could be very well versed in that position, but then I could 
straw man someone else, you know. And what, and what I mean by that, when we straw man an argument, it's where we present a a a faint version of someone else's argument. So so let's say Danuta, uh, uh, let's let's create a version of a straw man la- uh, right now. Uh, let's say uh, the straw man that we create is you you um, say that hey Lawson, I I saw you. Um, driving down the road yesterday in Maitland. Like, so that, that's, that's a statement that you're making. You're like, Lawson, I saw you driving down the road yesterday in Maitland. And then you give a bunch of reasons why you're like, I think you're in Maitland because, you know, we were in the city of Maitland. I saw your car driving. I looked through the window and I saw you driving through the car. Uh, you know, are you driving the car? It was at this time of day. So I could clearly see, you, you know, you come up with then like a list of different factors of, mm-hmm. okay, this is the evidence that I can give mm-hmm. to support the idea that I believe that you were driving mm-hmm. in Maitland yesterday. Mm-hmm. For me to straw man that argument would be to, so if I was, you know, if we were sitting in a jury or amongst mm-hmm. a bunch of people, is to turn to the jury and say, so, you know, she claims that I was driving in Maitland yesterday and she says she saw my car, but really she actually saw, you know, my car's a silver Subaru. She actually saw, a, she says she saw a silver Subaru, but it was the wrong model of Subaru. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an Impreza, which is like my car, it was actually uh, this or that. And so I changed slight details of your argument to make it sound weaker so that ultimately at the, it makes you sound wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. your argument is actually, you know, you're like, oh, well, actually I have photo evidence. And, and so I say, oh, she thinks she saw my car, but she mm-hmm. actually saw this and da 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 But you're like, oh, no, actually here's the evidence that so I have. So what you're so, saying is one goes by facts and the other one doesn't go so much right. by the and, facts. And so we can straw man uh, or we can create uh we can f- argue against weaker versions of other people's arguments to make ourselves seem right and 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 i hate doing that and so for me personally and what i'm trying to explain is that i have really put it upon myself to go oh no i really want to understand what people's positions are in the fullest and strongest sense and then so i can get an idea of 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 what i actually believe and what i actually am and but what i find is so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do that. What I, what I find, uh, what, what has ended up happening as I've gone and done that is that the arguments that people assert so clearly, uh, the one that I was really looking into over the last week was, oh, the rapture happens before the tribulation, which is that, you know, there's a secret rapture mm-hmm. that takes place before Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. And so I went in and I, I said, I really want to look at the verses that they use to prove this point and really try and see it from their perspective. Mm. And when I did, I looked at these verses and particularly 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and Mm -hmm. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and you read it and they say, look, see, it's clear from these verses that the rapture happens before the tribulation. Mm -hmm. So all of us, you know, we're on this earth and then we just rapture up, we, we translate up into heaven, we disappear before any of these end time, terrible Armageddon Mm -hmm. battle events Mm -hmm. happen. But then you go and read through those verses and you realize, none of them describe or make clear at all that the rapture happens before these things. Mm, it it mm. talks about a rapture. Mm. It says, oh, yeah, and I believe, we believe in mm, a rapture. That's, mm. it's in, it, that's biblical. Like, mm. we believe that we will be translated from, you know, mortal to immortal when mm. Jesus comes back. Mm. But none of these verses that these people use to describe this actually actually make that point. And so... Uh, for me, I, I, I read that and I come to the conclusion like, wait, 
is this something that is biblically true or is it something that has is asserted as biblically true but when you actually read the Bible, isn't true. And so again, just going back to the Battle of Armageddon, Mount Megiddo, all these things, it, it's something that I, I really want to encourage our listeners to go and to look into the Bible and to say, does the Bible actually describe this? Does the Bible actually describe the Battle of Armageddon happening on Mount Megiddo? And I think the conclusion that you'll clearly come to is that the answer is no. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. And coming into our Bible study time, just adding with what you were just saying there, Lawson, I think the key, key, key for all of us, we keep saying this here on Faith FM, don't take you know, our word for it. Keep going into God's word in every way. So I know for myself, you know, through the years, having been brought up in a Christian home, um, you know, I've been, was and continue at times be challenged to keep on digging deeper to go, okay, you know, I've seen it this way before, but what can be seen through these verses? One of the key things that in the Bible is, is that the answers are all there. We just need, we, we, it's a matter of sometimes going to the next verse further, further, the interpretation or going further into another book or another chapter and that's why we say the whole canon the whole bible is 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 you know god inspired right across from beginning to end in every kind of way and so really digging into god's word um rather than going okay well, why why have i come to this conclusion going into god's word and saying what what does it say mm. and praying for god to work on our hearts you know because that mm-hmm. is where where we you know we grow in in god in in every kind of way that is part of being on the journey the christian journey isn't it uh-huh. awesome and so um, it's about wanting to grow more in Christ in every way. Hey, keep your texts coming in also with your uh, quiz quiz answers. We've got pl- plenty of those coming in. But this week we're actually starting a new um, new week looking at sharing yeah, God's absolutely. mission. Um, the exciting thing is last week we started looking at Abraham and his call back in in Genesis chapter 12 and how he came out of the Ur, out of Ur of Chaldeans and how here and Sarah, Sarah moved out of their comfort zone. Um, and how also then we spoke about the early church of Acts chapter eight, you know, how the gospel was to go then to the Gentiles as well. Now we're actually going back to Abraham a little bit more because what we find here is an interesting, really interesting story here. Can we actually go to Genesis chapter 18 verse one to 15, uh, as we actually look into that, we're going to keep on unpacking the whole thing of how Abraham, well, Abram, who became Abraham, mm-hmm. God cha- changed his name and he changed Sarah's name to Sarah as well. Mm. But God actually said to Abraham, he said, I will make your father of many nations. In fact, in chapter um, 15, he says, you know, in verse 5, he says, um, then he bought, uh, then, then he bought, uh, Abraham outside and said, look, Abram outside, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And one of the things we see in the Bible, right from the very, First chapter of Genesis, the covenant of Abraham, of Adam, 
and then also goes through the Noah one, and then we've got um, Abraham's covenant continuing all the way through to mess- messianic, you know, the, of the Messiah, pointing to the Messiah. The three key things that keep coming through are land, blessing, and descendants, land, mm. blessing, descendants, land, blessing, descendants, which is the same promise that we have for when Jesus comes and then comes through in the book of mm. Revelation. So right through the whole Bible we see that, and here what we see is that Abram is actually, uh, you know, um, believes in mission. So let's read Genesis 18, verse 1 to 15, if we can there, Lawson. Genesis chapter 15. Sorry, is sorry, chapter 18, 18, verse I said 1 to 15. That's right, that's what I meant. Then the Lord <laughs> appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent on the in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried to the tent and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender a tender and good calf, sorry, and gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. So that he took butter and milk and the calf, which we, he, he had prepared, and he set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And he said to them, your, where is Sarah, your wife? And they said to him, sorry, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, and she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, don't funny. we find that we kind of, yeah, when we get caught out, we, mm. we can do the same sort of thing as Sarah mm-hmm. did, hey. But interesting passage coming right through here. And mm. this whole passage points to particularly, particularly whom? It speaks of a son of promise, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. it says here further down, and we're going to uh, unpack from the early part, but it actually right through here, the whole thing is is actually talking about the fact that she will have a son, Sarah will have a son. Mm. Okay, the son of promise that was promised back to Abram back, you know, in, in Genesis 15 as well and, and, mm. and, and relating to the covenant that was in Genesis 12. Mm. Now here what we see is the Lord appear, Lord, it actually says, um, very specifically the Lord. Okay. Mm. Moses says the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre. So this is a grove, um, of Mamre that is near Hebron. Mm-hmm. 
okay, and as he was sitting there in the tent in the heat of the day. So it's quite unusual, isn't it, or interesting, that he is actually, Abraham is actually sitting right at the peak of the heat, you know. I mean, when we when we stay in tents, and I when I go camping or when we have big camp out at Stewart's mm. Point once a year with the church, we stay in tents. And, man, those tents, tents heat up, don't they, during the day. Oh, and the you worst. just want to get out of the tent. Yeah, but yeah, here yeah. he is sitting at the entrance of the tent right at the heat of the day. It's almost like he's actually looking for who may be coming along. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like he has – he's in an interesting spot, Abraham, because – he has been promised that he would have land and descendants and all of these various things. And he's been told to leave his country by God. But yeah. there would be just this air of anticipation for him as to how this is going to play out and when this is going to happen and whatnot. And and he would be constantly, I, I, if I was in his position, I'd be constantly on watch and I'd be yeah. constantly <laughs> seeking the Lord and going yeah. like, God, like, You've promised that this would happen. When is it going to unfold? Like, this is the situation that Abraham is in. This is the position that he's in. And so, yeah, he, he's here and he's, he's, he's just waiting. He's like, oh, God, like, send something. Let something happen. Uh, and, yeah, finally he does have that interaction here. Absolutely. And then three three men um, actually lifts up his eyes and he sees the three men mm. um, there. And here's the interesting thing too is that he actually goes out to them. Now, I just want to make one step back too as well is that Moses, when he's referring here to the Lord through the passage, mm. he actually uses the term there Yahweh or wow. Jehovah. Okay. In other words, you know, right there, you know, God God, that's what Yah, the name for Yahweh, you know, mm. Yahweh is God. And yet the thing is that when we actually, Abraham addresses him, he says, Adon, he uses the term Adonai because in mm. verse three he says, and my Lord Adonai, I, if I have now feigned, found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. There's an instant connection mm. there, isn't he? He actually realized, he recognizes the Lord. Mm. Absolutely. Amongst these three men. Yeah, he he sees a physical manifestation of of God in front of him, which happened a number of times throughout the Old Testament. Well, whether it was a man or a burning bush on fire or yeah. you know, something miraculous or whatever it may be, but he sees yeah, he, he recognizes like a physical manifestation of God. God has come down and and interacts with him here and which would be just such an incredible experience and, and oh. he sees him afar off and he's like, wait, that's amazing. That's God. And he comes to him and he's just like, don't pass by your servant. Like and he, he recognizes him, yeah. which is powerful. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And it has come time for our last quiz question for today. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Lawson. Here we go. There were two Simons on Jesus' 12 disciples. One was referred to as Simon Peter. How does the Bible refer to the other one? Mm. What, is, what, is, who, what, is the, what is the characteristics <laughs> of this other Simon? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669, that is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, hey, you will go into the drawer to win our amazing prize for this week, which is this awesome gratitude jar. We want to give it to you absolutely for free. Please 
We'll 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 give it to you. Look, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That is our number to text if you know the answer. And if you know the answer, you go in for that draw. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's it. And we're continuing on with our Bible study time. We're looking at sharing God's mission, the gift of hospitality, and we're looking at Genesis chapter eighteen, yeah. verse one to fifteen, where basically Abraham is sitting at the heat of the day. It is ten, and three men actually come, and he addresses in verse three. Says, "My Lord, I have now found favor in your sight. Do not pass on." By your servant. Now, the interesting thing is, is that Abraham actually goes out to them. He sees them. He goes out to them. And it is actually about, um, the exciting thing is what we see here is that he, 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 he has the initiative. He goes mm. out to them. In other words, he goes out to greet them. He runs towards them. Um, even before they actually come to him. And now there's, that's a really interesting application for us, isn't it, Lawson? Because we as believers, our key thing is, you know, not to expect people necessarily come to us, to walk in through the doors, through the church, mm. to, to walk in necessarily wanting to have a Bible study. But it's actually for us to be rubbing shoulders and making friends with people. But more than that, what Abraham does here that is really important for us to learn from is the spirit of hospitality. Mm. Do you love it when people invite you into the home? Oh, it's the best. I oh, know, because you like food. <laughs> uh, what? It always, it always <laughs> it comes, comes back to this. But no, no, it you do. And I this. do too. I no, do too, it, though. Like, I, I do. I, yeah, I've been incredibly blessed by the hospitality yes. of the church. I think it's something that I, I, I think it's our greatest weapon to winning people. Like, it, it's our greatest weapon in the arsenal that we have to, to, to reach people is using our God-given means of hospitality to bless other people. And in this case here, like Abraham, it's, you, you might think like, oh, Abraham is blessing God. You know, like, like, like Abraham is, is chasing after, if, if, if you recognize that God was coming over for dinner, like, yeah, right. sure, you would be motivated to go and do it. Yeah. But I think as Jesus makes it very clear, he says, what you've done to the least of these, you've also done to me. Oh, you know, whether yes. you visited me in prison or, or let me into your house or gave me money when I needed it, whatever it may be. Abraham is having a similar experience here where, where he has been enabled to be hospitable. And when we take upon ourselves that goal as well mm. to, to be a blessing to people, like it, it to it, genuinely be there for people. Absolutely. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, having, you know, being genuinely interested in people, being genuinely inter- interested in building a friendship and looking out for people mm-hmm. in every way. And here's the interesting thing is that with Abraham, of course, you know, he was surrounded in the, the world was very much, you know, pagan and, you know, idolatry and polytheism and whatever. And so, you know, they, they were out now, you know, away from, you know, the era of Chaldeans and stuff. But so anyone passing by he was he was interested in them and what's the interesting thing is he he does some really common mm-hmm. ancient customs doesn't he yeah what do we see first that he does in fact this is the first place one of these is actually mentioned that we then follow through because of what the new testament in jesus says to do to each other too but we see there in verse four what he does, he actually washes their feet. Yes. This is the first place in the Bible that foot washing is actually mentioned. Wow. 
Isn't that powerful? It is. Right here, you know, and that then also links then to, you know, when Jesus then washes the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. Yeah. And, of course, we then continue that in remembrance of what Christ has done. Um, and where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. In fact, that's the only thing that Jesus says to do in remembrance mm. of him. And that's why we have communion services in our church where we foot wash, wash one another's feet. So here he actually washes their feet. Um, and then also he says, I love there's some key things that he actually says to Sarah to actually do and also to his servant, doesn't he? She says there, he, he actually hurried and he, she, he tells her, what, what does he ask her to make? Oh, well, he says, mate, go and, go and make some cakes. That's like, go it. Let's go yeah, and make yeah, some food. The, the, yep. <laughs> like go and, you know, uh, take a young lamb. Morsel of bread. Yep, that's yeah, that's it. To, to put on a spread. I, you know what? I, I'm just thinking about, particularly about this, just this foot washing, just uh-huh. really quickly. It's it's interesting that Jesus, the context of that Jesus does it is God is serving humanity, right? And that is as a type of like he has become, well, God has become human to serve humanity. But we see it's a, again a fulfillment of of what's going on here, and that well, in, in this in this particular situation, it would seem as though. Oh, humanity is serving God. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus giving the fullest picture to, to what's taking place there that, hey, the reason humanity serves God is because God has first served oh, humanity. Yes. Like God has given everything. I love what you just said. Humanity. He, he, and, and, and that's what Jesus proves yep. in his life. And again, this, the context of this taking place is that they would discuss the the promised son who is to come absolutely and so this this whole idea like and again the promised son of abraham it, which would be isaac mm. the reason why that's so key is because it would start the line that would ultimately lead the messiah yes. so we're seeing in this little interaction here that abraham is having with god and the, the foot washing and the serving and whatnot we see that all fulfilled in the last supper situation of like hey Remember that time when I rocked up and we had this interaction and I told you, hey, there, there will be a son of promise. There will be someone to come. There, and out of that, there will be a Messiah. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, he's finally here and he's doing these actions to invoke some kind of memory mm-hmm. back to wh- where this journey started, mm-hmm. which was thousands of years ago when I was with Abraham saying, hey, your son is going to come. Mm, love it. Love it what you're saying mm. with that. And that connection is so vital, isn't it? And I love, um, we're running short of time, but in verse 14, you know, mm. when Sarah actually questions, um, and the Lord says to her, is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm. Isn't that a powerful question for each one of us today? Like, mm. is anything too hard for the Lord? And he says, at the appointed time, I'll return to you. In fact, twice, I've got it, you know how I like to write in my Bible, yeah. but it says in verse 10, where the Lord says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And then, you know, and, and, uh, and that you will have a son. And then again, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return. When I was reading that, my mind went to the fact that Jesus, you know, came at the appointed time. Yes. 
The son of promise, the true mm. son of promise, came at exactly the appointed time. You know, we read of that prophecy, particularly mm. in Daniel chapter 9, the very specific time that Jesus would actually come. But more than that, we read those kind of words in Revelation too, don't we? Mm. That he will come at the appointed time. Matthew says we don't know the hour of the time, but to be ready, mm. to be ready. But in Revelation says, behold, I am coming quickly. Mm. And I just think this whole passage ties in just beautiful in every way, you know, and pointing to the fact that, of course, the gift of hospitality hospitality is important, was important even in Abraham's day, and mm. how he was focused on mission in every way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Jenny Phillips with He Moves Mountain in Me. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, let's take it away with the answers to our quiz questions, please. What book of the Bible does this verse come from? And that verse came from Proverbs 15.23 where it says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season how good it is. Again, that was Proverbs 1523, where that came from. But if you wrote in Proverbs, that would have sufficed as well. The next one, it was the cupbearer, actually, who suggested that Joseph uh, interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. And it's mm. kind of unfortunate. That's a fabulous story. It's, it's, it's a cool story, but I feel sorry for, jo- for, for Joseph in this case because he's like... <laughs> Because he tells the cupbearer his dreams, and I mean, well, he interprets both for the cupbearer and, and for and the baker. And for the baker. And for the baker, he's, he's like, uh, sorry, man. Not a really no, good yeah. story there. Not a but good But for ending. the cupbearer, it's like, hey, you're going to be restored to your position. Like, everything's all good. But at the same time, like, hey, just remember me. And then he forgets. Uh, but then eventually, when, when, when Pharaoh is plagued with these terrible dreams, the cupbearer, he remembers, he goes... Oh yeah, like this this guy in jail named Joseph. You should you should go and and seek him and say that's right. He's eventually remembered, eventually. <laughs> remembered and blessed. That's Next it. question here: What group that was supposed to be able to see into the future could couldn't save Babylon from destruction? And it, the hint was from Isaiah forty seven, where it talks about the astrologers and the stargazers and we we see a prophecy about that in Isaiah but we see that play out in a very real sense in the book of Daniel and beginning in Daniel chapter 2 you know the 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 question is asked by Nebuchadnezzar he's like what do my dreams That's mean right. and, and he calls no- in the magicians the astrologers yeah. and all of them that's right, and none of none them, of them can interpret, interpret it except for Daniel, and it's Daniel as well who would also interpret the dream for Pharaoh that ultimately his kingdom would be destroyed and, and come to an end as well. But the astrologers and the stargazers, you know, being that they were just a bunch of pagan dudes who were just making stuff up, That's like right. they, they, they couldn't see it. That's right. Continuing on here, what did Paul say in Romans 16 would be crushed under their feet? And it was it was Satan. Satan, that's that right. Satan would be brought to an end. And the promise we see in Genesis 3.15. Yeah, absolutely. That's where we initially see it, yeah. And, and then our last one, and we have a text message that we're keen to actually let you know about as well. Yeah, it says, there were two Simons in Jesus' disciples one was Simon Peter. Who was the other one? It was Simon the, the Zealot. Zealot, that's right. We don't know much about him, but he's mentioned, I think, only about four times throughout the Gospels or so. But, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But we do know that he was a zealot. You might be wondering, it's like, oh, what does it, what does it mean to be a zealot? But ultimately, it was kind of it was almost a, maybe you could say like, 
terroristy, but like, <laughs> like just just this this group of of very intense uh, Jewish people who exist at the time, yeah. very anti-Roman Empire, caused a lot of trouble. Yep. Uh, Barabbas, you know, the murder was was amongst the 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 group of the zealots, and and they were often causing and, and stirring trouble. And it's cool that that Simon came out of that out of that fold into the fold of. Of Jesus and became absolutely, Jesus which is exciting. There was a disciple again. I love the story of the disciples and their backgrounds because yeah. it means that all of us have ha, can be a disciple of Jesus, mm, can't we? Absolutely. With all our different backgrounds of everywhere. Hey, Chris writes in the tent referred to guarding regarding Abraham was probably a Bedouin type, which could be configured as a sunshade. And agree with you, Chris. Um, mm. Yeah, we didn't have the time to unpack that. And agree, I love the fact that you actually messaged in about that. So the tent, you know, the Bedouins, we actually saw lot of Bedouins when we were actually in Israel. They're wow. still around. You know, they're basically, they're typically, you know, nomadic um, and, um, you know, um, Arabs that are nomadic or they're also referred to as desert dwellers. Um, and the Bedouin tents actually tend to have like two sections. One section that there is the shade where they can actually take in um, uh, the guests and the other section where they can actually also then do the cooking that actually happens in every way. And mm. so, um, you know, basically... Basically, the thing is that, yeah, he would have been sitting in that tent, but I still think like, you know, when the heat, I know when we were there in the peak of summer in Israel, it was absolutely blustering. That's it. And so we will leave you with a promise with John 4, 14, whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst. So remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.